Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 14 of Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to be reading from verse 13 of Genesis 4. And Cain said unto Jehovah, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And Jehovah said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Jehovah set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Well, we've been uh, discussing this now for a few studies, and we know again, and it's good to have this in mind because the key to understanding this whole historical record of Cain slaying Abel is verse 3. It came to pass at the end of days that this is taking place, or, or of course it took place in, in um, the beginning of the history of the world, but spiritually it is pointing to events that take place at the time of the end of the world, and that's where we're living at. So we have a unique vantage point where where we can look and see how wonderfully it all fits together. Uh, we see the um, end of the church age, the separation of the wheat and the tares. We've already gone through it. We have lived through these end time events and we see how well that the things that are happening here in Genesis 4 are matching, how how well they agree with the spiritual circumstances of our present time, which is the time of the end. And so we uh, looked at verse 14 in our last study of Genesis 4. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth. And we saw that language of being driven out is related to being under the wrath of God. Like Jonah was cast out of God's sight, so Cain is driven out from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid from God's face. When it says that Cain was driven out from the face of the earth, the word earth in the first part of verse 14 Strong's number 127 in the Hebrew is a word that identifies with the ground or land. He's driven out from the land of the kingdom of heaven. Out of that close relationship, the corporate church had with God throughout the many centuries of the church age. But when God finally came to visit and and when God finally made known who he was pleased with, which could only be his elect, and those people he was not pleased with, 
but just had outward identification with him, that is, through profession of faith, then they were driven out from the kingdom of heaven. And it doesn't matter what they think about it, what they believe. It doesn't matter how many within the church believe it and are in agreement about it. None of that matters. God isn't concerned. The Bible's not concerned with numbers of people. Just look at the numbers of people that are Muslim. Uh, I think it's increasing and growing, about one and a half billion. Well, they they have no relationship with the God of the Bible because they have added to the words of the Bible. They think there's another another uh, book from God, the the Quran, and and God warns in Revelation twenty two seventeen through nineteen, if you add unto the words of this book. He will add unto you the plagues written herein. Yet you have 1.5 billion people that believe, and and some of them um, believe it so much they're willing to blow themselves up, that they are serving God. And and likewise, we have a corporate church, a, a corporate church body, that number even more, perhaps as many as two billion people. And, and if you were to speak with them or if you were to take a poll and, and say, is God with you? Well, yes, by, by the hundreds of millions, they would, they would say, God is with us. God's blessing us. God is pleased with us. And, and we are the people of God. No, no. None of that's true. As a matter of fact, God is not with them. God is not blessing them. And they are no longer the people of God. The the one claim they can accurately make today is that we were once the people of God. The same claim that the Jewish religion can make because up until uh, the cross in 33 AD, they were also corporately, outwardly, the people of God for an extended period of time of of around 2,000 years. But then God divorced Israel, and and they lost all association with God. And and yet, uh, you you know, this is the nature of man, that man is convinced of God's blessing when God is not blessing. And so the Jewish people... Uh, the Jewish religion continues to insist we're the holy people. Jerusalem's the holy city and, and God has special relationship with us. Uh, see, the Muslims are convinced of it. The Jews are convinced of it. And now the corporate Christian church is convinced of it. And the truth is it, it's not accurate in any of those religions. It, it's no longer so with the Christian corporate church. They stand in a similar way as Israel, as the Jewish religion, once the people of God, but no longer. And the Muslim religion never was the outward representation of God's kingdom. They they have not even that claim to make. But God is no longer using organized religion no religion of any kind. There is no um, entity, no 
corporation or corporate body of believers that stand for and represent his kingdom any longer. At this time in history, God has returned to individual dealings with people. And from the time leading up to Abraham, for thousands of years, God dealt with individuals. As a matter of fact, for the majority of the history of the world, God has dealt with people on an individual basis, whereas there was no representatives of his kingdom, no no uh, nation or church or anything like that. And now that God has ended the church age, he has destroyed that vineyard. There is no other vineyard. You know, there's a parable in the Gospel of Matthew where the sun comes and they kill the sun. And then the judgment is that God will take away their vineyard and give it unto others. And that is a parable that uh, is speaking against Israel. Because at the time of Israel's end, the, the vineyard, the, 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 uh, kingdom of heaven, its representation was given to the corporate church. And yet there's also a historical parable in Isaiah chapter five in which a vineyard is, is seen to be fruitless. It gives forth a stench. And so God destroys the vineyard and that is a historical parable pointing to what happened at the end of the church age when when God came to visit and there is no other season, no other program for a corporate entity, for, again, an organized religion to represent God. That's why the vineyard of Isaiah chapter 5 was destroyed. And And so now, since God ended the church age, he is dealing with people all over the world, one-on-one, just God, through his word, the Bible, and that person. And that person, through the Bible and prayer and God. That's the only relationship that, that people in this world may have with God. And, of course... All kinds of people are deceived concerning this and, and they're, they're, uh, Shinto or Hindu and, and, and Buddhist and Muslim and, and they think they have relationship with God, but that's all deception. It, it, and, and now we can add over the last few decades since God ended the church age, there's greater deception because now there are um, enormous numbers of people, two billions, uh, uh, incredible number, about two billion people that are deceived into thinking they have relationship with God, they have an intimate relationship with God, a personal relationship through their church, and it's not so. The The churches have no more representation of God's kingdom than uh, the Jews do, than the Muslims do, than the Hindus or the Buddhists uh, have. None of them represent the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's all in view with Cain being driven out 
from the face of the earth and from thy face shall I be hid. And, and then Cain recognizes I shall be a fugitive or a wanderer and a vagabond in the earth. And, and that's the condition, the spiritual condition of all the world's churches. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Now, from Cain's perspective, and, and of course we, we should recognize that this is already a few decades from the creation. He, he's a grown man. Abel was a grown man. And, and it will come to pass that his mother, Eve, will give birth to others. Uh, actually, it says in Genesis 5, in um, verse 3, And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness and after his image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were 800 years, and he begot sons and daughters. Many more sons were coming. This was the first um, marriage, and and it was necessary for God to, to bless them uh, abundantly with children, so the world could begin to be inhabited. And, and so that's who Cain is referring to concerning that, uh, everyone that findeth me shall slay me. It would be uh, other brothers that, that would be born, uh, to Adam and Eve. And, uh, then also as Adam and Eve have, have sons and daughters, those sons and daughters would marry. And early on, God gave no law regarding incest. It was, it was a, a absolute necessity that brother marry sister. There was nobody else to marry. There, there was no law against it. And so brother would have married sister and, and children would have come forth from them as well over the course of time. And, and that's historically how, how that statement fits. And we understand Cain's concern. Uh, he has killed someone and and God is driving him out. God is hiding his face from him. And, and so Cain is worried. He's worried about himself. He, he's, uh, he's afraid of what might happen to him. That's understandable, but we wonder about God's reaction in verse 15. And Jehovah said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Jehovah set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And we, we read this and, uh, you know, we wonder why is God seemingly protecting Cain? God knows that he killed his brother. The blood of Abel is crying unto God from the ground. And God has just got done cursing the ground and and punishing Cain by driving him out by God hiding his face from Cain. So why protect him from others who, who would seek to kill him? And you know, Cain is a murderer. And as we read this, we think, well, he killed his own brother. He, he did something awful. We 
almost think that it would be good, a just thing, if someone did find him and kill him. To us, to man, that would be serving justice. But that is not the way of God. God does not leave his justice to man. And, and you see, that's, that's the key. There's really two things going on here. When I, when I, uh, saw some other verses and, and, and then it just makes sense once we understand Cain is a picture of the corporate church that again has come under the judgment of God. And, and Cain's slaying of Abel, it, it relates to the corporate church driving out the true believers. And remember what God said, or the identification that God makes in John 16, in verse 2, They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you, will think that he doeth God's service. Being put out of the synagogue is equivalent to being killed. Cain literally, physically killed his brother Abel. But down through time, in Israel of old, in the corporate church, those who go in the way of Cain have developed doctrines and gospels in their Accepting lies rather than truth has driven out the believers. They have also uh, pronounced condemnation against believers. We, we actually can look back just a few hundred years ago when one church, the, the Catholic Church, was condemning as heretics and then burning at the stake or killing them in some other way those that simply wanted to put the Bible, a translation of the Bible, into the language of the people. That was their crime. And so they literally, physically, killed their brother for them wanting to bring the Bible and put it in the hands of the population so that they could actually read it rather than going to Mass or to church and and uh, having some priest deliver the mass in latin or some language that they did not understand and and yet they slew their brother well that's horrible but uh, it's actually much more horrible when a preacher preaches another gospel or when a preacher is preaching that uh, tongues is a good and wonderful thing it's an indicator of possessing the holy spirit and and so he works to convince the congregation of this. If anyone comes in, they they work hard, the pastor and the elders to to show them a couple of verses where um, speaking in tongues they think is a good thing, a sign of being a child of God. They are spiritually killing the congregation and killing the ones that come in. Because what does God say? If you add unto the word of God, that the Lord will add unto you the plagues that are written herein. And and so it's much more awful to die that way than it is to die physically. 
And so those church leaders and elders and pastors today that are teaching lies that have added or subtracted to the Word of God, the Bible, or that are teaching another way of salvation than the way of the faith of Christ, that it's all of the Lord and not of man, that somehow you can uh, obtain heaven through work of your own, that they are killing their congregations. And, and in many, many different uh, teachings, they're, they're slaying their own congregation. And, and so God ended the church age because they spilled much innocent blood. Now, of course, the elect who were driven out of the churches through these kinds of teachings and doctrines, they weren't actually killed. As a matter of fact, they're elect. God saved them and they have eternal life. But God counts it as though their blood has been spilled, and and so God determined to come and visit. Remember the cries of them under the altar in Revelation chapter 6, How long, O Lord, holy and true, till thou avenge our blood upon those on the earth? And, And so God will be the one who takes vengeance upon those that slay his people, whether physically or spiritually. It is not for man to avenge himself against the people of God or to avenge themselves against wrongs done to the people of God. Uh, remember in First Samuel chapter 24, King Saul, who's a a picture of the corporate church, was persecuting David, persecuting him so badly that, that he was chasing him all over the wilderness. He drove David out of Israel and therefore out of the synagogue. And therefore Saul spiritually slew David, but he intended to actually physically kill him. That was why he was after him. And then at one point, actually I think it happened two different times, but, but here in 1 Samuel 24, David had opportunity to kill Saul. It says in 1 Samuel 24, in verse 4, And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which Jehovah said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, Jehovah forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, Jehovah's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of Jehovah. And, and, you know, we read this and, and we just shake our head at the high standard of God. God had a people. He had Israel of old and he had kings over them. They were God's anointed. Well, the, the church was for a long time, almost 2000 years, the people of God. 
They were God's anointed messengers, anointed ambassadors, his representatives to the people of the earth. Well, now comes the end of the church age. And are we free because God has brought judgment upon them? Are we, the people of God, free to slay them? Can we just speak evil of them? No, no. No, we have to show respect for the position they once held. And we ourselves do not take vengeance upon them. It, it says in verse 10 of this same chapter, First Samuel 24, Behold, this is David speaking now, This day thine eyes have seen how that Jehovah had delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave. And some bade me kill thee, but mine eye spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is Jehovah's anointed. Moreover, my father see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou, and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in mine hand, and I have not sinned against thee. Yet thou huntest my soul to take it. Jehovah judge between me and thee, and Jehovah avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. And and there's the, the key statement. The fact was that Saul was doing wrong, and and God was judging Saul. Soon Saul and his army would be destroyed by the Philistines. God had departed from Saul. And and so all that picture is God departing from the corporate church. God giving up the church into the hands of Satan and the enemies of the kingdom of God. Yet, still, it is not for David. It is not for David to put forth his hand to kill Saul, but he will give place to wrath. He will allow God to take the vengeance and not himself. And of course, that's what God tells us is his right and not man's. We're, we're not a judge. We're, we're not the avenger. We're not the one who, who punishes. Uh, as God says in Romans 12 in verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And, and, you know, once we see or understand that principle that yes, Cain has killed, Cain has shed innocent blood, and Cain is a picture of the corporate body. Yet, we can see why God is protecting him with this language. Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. Why? Because it's not for man to attack or assault that which was God's anointed, No, no, it's not our role to do, but God himself will be the one to execute vengeance. 
Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.